Chapter Forty Seven, The Last Goodbye. Herman thought he was dreaming, and not just because he was walking into the setting sun. He was also walking along a frozen path toward his old family home in the shtetl he lived as a boy. Though he started to question whether it all really was a dream, as he could feel the cold down to his bones and could even see his breath. He could see, too, the smoke churning from his house's chimney and Mr. Jacobs from next door, who was smiling and waving at him in front of his freshly shoveled walkway. Thank you, Herman, the man called out. Herman didn't reply. He just stepped inside his old home. Is that you, Herman, came a familiar female voice from the kitchen. Surprised by the voice, Herman followed it. He followed as well the smells and the crackling sounds of chicken and potatoes roasting in the oven, until he found his mother lighting the Shabbat candles which she did before guiding the light into their home with her hands. This was a ritual that Herman always loved. It was one of the few he did. He loved it from the time he watched it as a boy, through seeing it performed every Friday night at Theresienstadt, and he continued enjoying it right up until my grandmother died. But the gentle waves of his mother's hands at this moment especially fascinated him. He thought she really was bringing God upon them as she recited the prayer. Baruch Atah Adonai Eloheinu Melech Alam Asher Kiddushanu B'mitzvotav Vitzivanu Lahatikner Shel Shabbat. Amen, Herman murmured. Turning toward him with a big smile, his mother cried out, Next year in Jerusalem. Next year we'll welcome the Sabbath in Jerusalem. Herman said nothing in reply. He just recalled how his mother had said this every Sabbath night and wondered why he'd be dreaming of it now when he couldn't recall dreaming of it before or even thinking about it. He had no answer for this. He just continued into the house, over the sounds of his mother singing Hatikva, which perplexed him for a reason he couldn't understand. He continued until he came to the door of his old room, which he opened and stepped through. Though instead of his bedroom, he walked into his Prague apartment, just as it was a few years before the occupation. He noticed not only this, but that he was wearing Mr. Jacob's suit, which didn't fit him so well due to the beginnings of a belly he was developing at the time. Again he thought he was dreaming, but again he wondered whether it really was a dream, as he had never experienced one in which he actually thought he was dreaming. Farther he went on, and he strode into the kitchen. Here he saw Anna in the bright midday sun, who was wearing her flowered apron as she prepared another jar of utopense by chopping onions on a big wooden carving board. Carefully she cut each onion. She cut them as thin as she could, as if how they were cut mattered, before emptying them all into the jar, which seemed to have no room for anything else. This all seemed so real to Herman. He could smell not only the sausages, 
but also Anna's favorite perfume, the kind she only wore on special occasions, such as on their wedding day and when she tried to join him in Theresienstadt. He could even feel the warm summer sun on his cheeks and forehead. But most of all, he could feel the warmth of once again being in Anna's presence, and he marveled at how she could aspire him after so many years of marriage. Hurriedly, he rushed up to her, as if he were afraid she would disappear otherwise. He further took her hands, which were even warmer than the feelings she had evoked. It'll be just one more day, she argued, as she removed her hands from his so she could close the lid of the jar. Surely you could hold out till then. I can't even hold out for another few seconds, he told her, before grabbing her hands again and pulling her away. Are you being naughty, Herr Weiss, she quipped with a grin while playfully dragging her feet. He answered by sweeping her into his arms, much as he had done on their wedding day when they first stepped into their home as husband and wife. Like then, he also spun her around in circles as they giggled. He spun her right into the bedroom. However, instead of finding themselves there, they found themselves on Bled Island, in front of the 99 steps that had so captured Herman's imagination as a young man when he read about them in a book he had otherwise long forgotten. With a big smile on his face, Herman carried Anna up the staircase while noticing she was once again wearing her wedding dress and gripping her white rose bouquet. He noticed, too, that his heart was beating as fast as it had been on their wedding day. What are you doing? she cried out. Shh! he cried back before rushing down the stairs to the bottom. Don't you remember what I told you? To have a successful marriage, the Slovenians believe that the groom must carry the bride up all 99 steps without her saying a word. We already had a successful marriage, she maintained. But this will prove it, he maintained back. Without waiting for a reply, Herman once more rushed up the steps with Anna. For the first half of these, this was easy. The two steadily rose above Lake Bled toward the towering mountains surrounding it, and he could see Bled Castle in the distance at the top of them. But after he passed the halfway point, he began to tire, which made him once more question whether he really was experiencing a dream, as he couldn't recall ever being tired in one. Slowly and with great exertion, he continued upward, with sweat pouring down his face and stinging his eyes. He thought he'd collapse at any moment, and so did Anna. She even braced herself for a fall. But he didn't fall. With all his remaining strength, he ran up the last steps and made it to the top. He further swept his bride through a set of doors, and they finally found themselves in their bedroom where he gently lowered her upon their well-made feather bed. This is real, isn't it, he whispered, as he kissed and touched her everywhere. Suddenly she broke their embrace, and she gave him the kind of look she would always give him when she was about to disappoint him. It's real, he insisted. It is. To prove this, he reached into his pants pocket and pulled out the rose petal, which he showed her while adding... I know it's real. Knowing's got nothing to do with it, she mumbled, 
as she took his hand and shook her head. You must let me go. You must let you go. This, this is Spohem. What she was telling him was that there would be no further Nascletano. No more until we meet again. This was farewell and forever. No, he told her while shaking his head over and over, and he kept repeating it, hoping to make it so. You must live, Milachkumoy, she told him back while caressing his cheeks with the warmth of her palms. I'll be with you wherever you'll be, but you must live, not in what was, but always in what is now, and continue to make me proud. You, you're proud of me, he muttered, as he tried to hold back his tears. She answered him with a kiss, one that made him swoon a lot more than the venison had hours earlier.